I'm creative business coach, Anastasia Williams, and you are listening to Making Magic, a podcast for fiber artists, makers, and creatives who are looking to craft a business with intention. Hello, welcome to episode 42. Um, I apologize, I haven't been around for a couple of weeks, uh, but I just wasn't feeling it. And sometimes the best thing to do when you're not feeling it is to not push yourself. So today I'm feeling a little bit more energy, slightly a bit of inspiration. So we're going to talk about something that has been coming up in the membership of mine, the Business Homeowners Association, and that is the idea of selling without launching. And I do have some things to say on this. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to separate the categories here. So we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to launch and what that process kind of looks like. And then we will move into what the differences are when you're moving into an evergreen launch and what some of the strategies are around that, because they are vastly different. You're working with different, to be honest, psychological principles with human beings. So we're going to kind of cover all of that. Now, I will say that as we go into, especially the part about launching, um, I do have a almost two hour workshop that's already been recorded. Um, in my Business Homeowners Association membership. So if you're not a member and you've been considering it and you feel like a launching workshop would be really helpful for you, you can definitely go ahead and register and sign up and watch that. It comes with a really comprehensive workbook and my members have said it is very helpful and it's helped them meet their goals and their launches. So I highly recommend that you give that a bit of a think. But I digress. Let's go ahead and jump in. So I want to talk about launching and what that kind of looks like. So when I'm talking about launching, I am talking about a big wave and a big growth crescendo up into a point where a product or a service becomes available. So typically, the best thing that you can do is start to plan ahead of what a launch will look like. And I say this for many reasons, but the biggest one is because it's not very effective when you just show up and say, hey, by the way, there's something in my shop right now, go and get it. And the reason is, is because as I've talked about before in past episodes, we as humans, especially now this day and age, we need to see or hear about something at least used to be seven, but is now nine times before we're ready to make a purchase. So having that plan ahead of time to be able to know where you're going to talk about things, when you're going to talk about things, who you're going to talk about things with, and what channels those are going to be delivered, that is all very, very important. But it's also really important because launching can be a huge drain. It's a very uh, adrenaline boosting type of activity, to be honest, because there's a lot of excitement. That's the whole point. You're trying to build excitement for your products or your services. So when you're doing something like that and you're trying to push that excitement, it tends to increase our levels of adrenaline, which can also wear us down really, really fast. So you have to kind of maintain that amount of energy for the period in which you are launching. And we'll talk about kind of what the time frame looks like for that. But the other part of needing that energy is because you need to be present during that time frame. You need to be present for several reasons, but mainly 
It's basically so that you can answer questions. You can engage with your audience. You are there front and center so that they continue to remember that you have something that you're trying to sell. There's nothing inherently wrong with this. So in case you're wondering, oh, does that feels kind of icky? Remember, marketing can always be done in a way that feels authentic to who you are. And the language that you use usually is the biggest ticket to that, right? So if you know how you would typically speak to a friend or you know somebody that you know already is interested in your product, like how would you describe it to them? I have a whole episode called Marketing at Your Kitchen Table, and that is really around finding your own voice and your own way of wording things. So I highly recommend having a listen to that. But when we are launching again, so we are working on a set time frame in which we are going to be present, in which we are going to be talking about our product. And we are going to be running through all the things like uh, the features and the benefits, and you want to tell people why they want your product, how it's going to make them feel, what challenge it's going to solve, what it looks like, how it feels, how it drapes, how it knits up, what sheep it came from. Here are the pictures. Here are the videos. Here's somebody who has used it and loved it. Testimonials, reviews, etc., etc., etc. You're going to be kind of throwing all of these things out in the form of content, one way or another so that people can get a feel for what that product is. And interspersed within that, you're also going to want to kind of show that you know what you're talking about, right? Because people want to buy from people that they know, like, and trust. So knowing somebody means that you do need to be engaging. You do need to be present. You do need to be interacting with people. I'm so sorry if you're an introvert. I know it sucks, but humans are the ticket here. We are selling to humans. We have to talk to the humans. Um, but Additionally, you know, if they, they want to like us because, well, we want to like, we just want to like people, right? Like we want to look for the good in the people. So, you know, they're going to like us if they start to believe that they are like us. So, you know, leaning into those things that you know are similarities between you and your audience is going to be really important here. And then the trust aspect really comes in the sense of, you know, have you at any point, and this is not required by the way, but have you at any point been vulnerable with your audience? Have you drawn them closer as a result? Or have you shown your expertise in a certain subject? So if you're a natural dyer, for instance, have you talked about your processes and shown how you've learned things? Um, if you are a designer, can you kind of talk about the technical aspects that would um, also show that you know your stuff? I just learned now that people in the UK say, know your onions. Uh, so you want to prove that you know your onions. Uh, but these are things that are really important for me specifically. You know, if you look at what I have, I have one-on-one -on -one coaching and I have my membership and you wouldn't want to sign up for either of those if you didn't think that I knew anything about coaching, right? Or if I knew anything about, you know, uh, marketing for small businesses or marketing for fiber arts businesses, I have shown that through a lot of my content and obviously my clients speak for me as well on what the, the positives are about working with me, right? So there are certain things that we can do to kind of bring ourselves forward and show ourselves as being trustworthy, as being somebody who is trustable. Let's talk about timing as well. So a traditional launch period, in my opinion, should be roughly two weeks. You can go longer. I would never go longer than a month, 
but I think two weeks is ideal. Once you start going longer than that, number one, your audience starts to get fatigued. They're tired of listening to it. They're tired of waiting for it. They either want it now or they don't want it at all. And we are very instantaneous creatures. It's really terrible. Um, And then um, the other thing is that we start to get fatigued. Again, it takes a lot of adrenaline. It takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of activity from us in order to pull this off. So if we are somebody who is an introvert or we are somebody who has a chronic illness or, or we just, you know, basically any human being who wants to take care of themselves, then we have to recognize that any longer than two weeks could be very, very draining for us. So again, two weeks, highly recommend, good amount of time that gets you to your launch day. So your launch day is the day that the product is available, the service becomes available. Maybe you have a close date as well. So you can order from this day to this day. And this is when you're starting to actually discuss where you can buy it, right? This is a really important part. The launch day needs to be, here's where you can buy it. 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 And make that very easy for people to go in and make that purchase. Um, So that's kind of the focus of that day. There really shouldn't be a whole lot more on here are the details, here's the inspiration, here's how it's going to make you feel, et cetera, et cetera, because you would have already done that pre-work in advance. However, once your doors close or once that launch day has passed, the game isn't over. There's usually a post-launch period, even if there's a close date. So the close date, if you have like a hard close date, usually it's just a little bit around here's what things are like, here's how things are going. Here's how these people are getting along with their purchase. Here's how these people are using their service that they've purchased from me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're still trying to kind of um, build that reliability around the product or the service. And you're still trying to kind of keep that excitement and interest trickling through. Um, But otherwise, then you're going to be going through a a post-launch kind of uh, swing down, right? So you still want to be talking about your product for multiple days, in my opinion, right? Here's where you can buy it. Here's where you can buy it. Here's where you can buy it. After the launch day, you can start to pepper in some of those other things that are really important points. You can start to, you know, put in frequently asked questions, all of those things. You know, you just need to figure out what does somebody need to know in order to make the purchase. And then after about a week or so afterwards, then you can rest. And that seems really exhausting when I've said it all out like that within this 11 minute period, but that's the fact of the matter. You rest and then you are very tired. (laughs) If anybody has done a launch, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mine in November, I think I'm still recovering from it in some ways. Um, It just takes so, so, so much of you. But it can be really effective because you are working off of that excitement, um, kind of the scarcity principles, people wanting to be first, um, people wanting something that's special. There are all of those different psychological principles that play into that. Now, I never recommend using scarcity as any form of a tactic if it's not honest. That meaning, um, that means that if you are saying this product is only going to be available for 24 hours, then stop making it available after 24 hours. Don't lie and then start the countdown all over again the next day. It's the worst. I hate it. Um, I don't know how anyone can build trust when they're doing things like that. But I digress. Let's move on to evergreen launching. So evergreen launching isn't much different than launching necessarily, except for it's like very extended and very drawn out. So it requires a little bit more finesse because you are not 
building this excitement through a short amount of time, a quick burst, and then ta-da, here's the thing. It's here's the thing. And I still have the thing and I'm going to continue to have the thing and you can buy the thing anytime. And I, I mean, I have that. I have the one-to-one coaching. I have my homeowners association and with the business homeowners association, I used to have open closed doors, but I realized there was no purpose to that. It didn't feel genuine to me to have that because there was no reason other than building up that scarcity principle, which I don't agree with. So to move into alignment with my own values, now I'm just running on a continuous basis. So anybody can join at any time, but that brings its own challenges, right? Because like I said earlier, how are you going to continue to generate that interest? So it takes a lot more of nurturing and nurturing the audience, which To be honest, we should be doing that all the time anyway, but this comes in the form of lots of content and um, working through kind of email sequences as well. So when I'm talking about content, now you're probably already creating content, you know, 99.999% of us are. So that means that you're creating a YouTube video, you're creating podcasts, you're creating blog posts, Instagram posts, some things that will maintain forever, some things that are kind of quick, you know, Instagram posts are really relevant for about three days and then everybody forgets about them. But sometimes you have things that can be searched and found over time, like pins on Pinterest or YouTube videos, podcasts, blogs. Those are a little bit more longstanding. So when you're creating content and you have an evergreen product, a product that is always available, then within your content should be a way for you to kind of weave in conversations about things that you have for sale. So again, I mean, look at this. This is a great example, right? So here I am, I'm telling you about launching an evergreen sales processes, and I'm talking all about my own products throughout it, right? So I'm telling you how I put this into practice for myself and how I think you should put it into practice for you using examples that I have seen and that I have experienced within my own business. So really, I mean, it's it's essentially I'm making content for you to come and buy stuff for me, which you can anytime. I would love that. I would love to work with you. Uh, but it, it can be in any form, right? It can be just a quick thing at the end of an Instagram post that says, by the way, you can buy this thing, link in bio. By the way, you can buy this thing, link in bio. By the way, in this photo where you can see me wearing this beautiful sweater, you can buy the pattern through the link in bio. Or here's a picture of me talking about what my favorite tea is. And then all of a sudden there's some yarn in the corner. And by the way, that's my yarn. You can buy it, link in bio. You see, you can kind of start to bring that into into your content. Essentially, it's a form of signposting, right? And signposting is really important, especially when you have something that you want to sell, right? So you want to say, this is available. This is available. This is available here, 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 here. So I'm talking about it in my newsletter. I'm talking about it in my content. I'm talking about it, you know, in whatever format I can find. I'm putting links everywhere. I'm making it very easy on my website to direct you to the thing I want you to buy. And that all has to be set up and in place. And I think it should be during a launch as well, but it's especially important when you're doing evergreen products because People have to be continually reminded that, oh, by the way, she has this thing, or oh, by the way, he has this thing, they have this thing. These are critical. They're critical. I like to say everything's critical and essential and really important, but it's true. I mean, all of this stuff is pretty pretty important. Um, But you have to be willing to be tired of hearing the sound of your own voice. You have to be willing to be tired of talking about it because to you, you're hearing 
what you say and what you sell every single time that you say it and you sell it. But remember, your people are not. They're only getting certain things or they're only opening certain emails or the algorithms blocking X, Y, or Z, or maybe they were on vacation and they haven't been paying attention to you. There could be so many different things that are keeping them from seeing all of your content. So if you talk about your... Maybe you have a specific base and colorway that's always in your shop as a yarn dyer. So if you have that in your content one day on Instagram, you're talking about this beautiful red that you have, then if somebody was on vacation or the algorithm didn't show them that or they completely missed it, then if you don't bring it up for another three weeks, that's time that you're missing out on getting that information to them. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. But the same thing is, you know, it's true in all the situations, right? Like we have to be willing to sell. We have to be willing to talk about our stuff a lot in order to sell it, but using that language that feels really comfortable to us. Um, you know, if, if you are uncomfortable with selling, if selling, uh, makes your skin crawl or makes you feel itchy, just remember that what makes it different for you is how you say it, how you talk about it, the language you use, the vernacular in which you deliver it. And if you're not sure what that is for you, number one, it's okay to not know. You will learn it over time. When I first started doing this, I was in no way as confident and comfortable in talking as I am to you right now. Not even close. Like I was super sweaty. I'm not even sweating right now. It's amazing. Um, But it's taken me a long time to get there and to be comfortable doing this and to be comfortable kind of throwing it all out there and saying, I hope they don't think I'm dumb. You know, I mean, that's a real risk that I take every single time I show up in front of the microphone, but it's my own confidence that I've built over time. And I've learned how to talk in a way that makes sense for me. You know, I'm, I'm a bit weird. I'm a bit kooky. I talk about Simon Sinek all the time. I uh, swear sometimes and I get really aggressive and go on rants occasionally. Right. So these are things that are kind of unique to me. And I just had to learn how to embrace them because they actually speak to people in different ways. Maybe not the Simon Sinek stuff, but anyway, It's my ongoing joke. Okay, so now that we've talked about kind of what that looks like in content, content wise and signposting and all of those things, the other thing that we're looking at is email sequences, otherwise known as email funnels, which everybody hates that word. I hate that word. It's very sterile feeling um, and doesn't really give anything much of a personal touch, right? So number one, I have a funnel. I do. I have a sequence. I'm uh, I'm tweaking it at the moment and trying to build it out in a way that feels really good for me because I like that personal connection, right? For me, that is so key. I love getting on a call with people. I love one-on-one communication. But the thing is, it's not sustainable, especially not in a situation where I have a membership of 65 people. I can't do that with every single one of them all the time and still market and still have a full-time job and still be a mom and still be a wildlife rehabilitator and like have a hobby or anything at the same time. So you have to do, you do have to start to put automations in place to make processes a little bit simpler for yourself. Even if you're going into a big launch, I think processes and automations are very, very helpful and very, very useful um, because they free up your time and time is money and time is finite and uh, none of us have enough of it in today's age. Okay. So when we're looking at a sequence, now there are plenty of people out there who do sequences very, very well. And there are plenty of people out there that do sequences and they feel really disgusting. Now, one thing that I will say is that when you are wanting to bring somebody into a sequence, right? A sequence, and I'm talking newsletter in case you're like, what is she talking about? 
a newsletter or an email list. So if you have an evergreen product that is available all the time, by the way, if you are a pattern designer, you have one available all the time because after you've released a pattern, it's going to sit there, right? So technically you have evergreen products. Um, yarn dyers, if you've got yarn that's sitting in your shop all the time, that's evergreen. Uh, those kinds of things, right? So when you have those products, you have to have some way to communicate with people on an ongoing basis. And the newsletter is going to be very, very important for this. And you are going to need to find a way to get those people on the newsletter so that they can go through the sequence and they can be part of that continual reminding, right? So Instagram's not good enough. I'm sorry, we've talked about it. Um, uh, and I have a past episode called We Need to Talk About Instagram. You can listen to that one as well. But social media in general is not the place to be having a marketing strategy. It really needs to be more personal. It needs to be something that's either built through your website or it's built through a newsletter, but a newsletter is ideal because you can continue the conversation, right? A website's usually a one-time visit or a few times visit, but the newsletter can be forever <laughs> if somebody really wants to be on it with you uh, or until the world ends and we don't have the internet anymore. And when you are looking at getting them on a newsletter, so there's a couple of things that you can do, and we really probably need to go into newsletters in depth at some point, but a couple of things that you can use to try to get people on a newsletter. Number one is a lead magnet. A lead magnet is something that you would give away for free in exchange for somebody coming on your newsletter list. Um, so we're looking at things like, um, you know, a free PDF, a free ebook, a discount code that they can use one time, free shipping code things like that, something that they can get in exchange. Um, I would caution against a free pattern because a lot of times people just get the free pattern and they unsubscribe. Sometimes that happens with discounts as well. So if it can be more content related, usually it's a little bit better. Um, even if you have like a video tutorial of a certain uh, technique, you could use that as a lead magnet. Um, or, you know, a style guide that could be a lead magnet as well. There's so many different ideas for these. Um, but that helps to get people on. The other thing that you can do is provide amazing value within the newsletter itself. So if people are really like clamoring to open that email and engage with it because you're providing something really amazing inside of it, whether it's tips, whether it's links, whether it's uh, resources, um, special content just for them, that is something that is worth their inbox space, their, that real estate. So I kind of use a mix of both. So I have a lead magnet, which is my free journaling guide for business owners that kind of walks you through prompts and helps you really think about what you want out of your business and what it's going to look like. And I also then too, usually the Friday before I send out my newsletter, I say what I'm going to talk about. I'll put it in my Instagram stories usually, and then put a link to the, um, the landing page. And I do get signups that way quite frequently, more than I do through my lead magnet. So it'll be this week, we're going to talk about newsletters, or this week we're going to talk about Instagram tips. And if people are needing that information, then they will just sign up without exchange for anything other than what's going to be in that upcoming newsletter. Um, but as you walk somebody through a sequence, right? So if you get somebody on and you've delivered a freebie or you've gotten them on your list, then devising a series of automated emails that goes to them that gets information to them in a way that number one is non-abrasive, non-aggressive, um, because we're not into that here in the fiber arts industry, um, and is very clear about what action you would like them to take. So when, you know, your first email usually is, here's the delivering of your thing that you signed up to get. 
And then the follow-up usually is some sort of, you know, here are some other resources for you, or here are, I know um, Emma Jana of Bloom and Create has a really good sequence um, that I highly recommend signing up for. But hers, I know she goes through her five favorite sock patterns and she's a sock pattern designer, but she also includes patterns from other designers. So that's really cool. And I think it, it kind of shows that she's not looking to keep all that money for herself. She just wants you to have the sock pattern of your dreams, right? So that's very, that's very helpful and useful. And then as you stay in her sequence and she starts to bring up like her Patreon and, and things like that. Um, so it, it just kind of warms people up, right? And you can set things up so that if nobody touches anything in the resources or the tips or the, the other email that you send, then they don't get anything else, right? Or you can move them, keep moving them down the line. So then now that you've kind of warmed them up, you've shown them that they can get value from you. I usually recommend spacing these out a couple of days in between. Don't just hammer them, you know, three days in a row or four days in a row or five days in a row. People will get tired of it and people don't have enough time to consume the product or the information. And so they will either unsubscribe because they think you're annoying or they will just ignore it, not open it, right? So if you give them a couple of days and then you move into something else, that's more like a sales thing. So here's this thing that I think you might like. Uh, here's this product that I think you would be interested in. Here are my best sellers. Here are, you know, here's my three latest patterns. It, whatever that may be, start to kind of ease them into it, right? And then a few days later, maybe some more tips or maybe some more information or maybe, you know, some information about you and your processes. And then maybe a few days later, then you're going to move back into sales again. Maybe then you're going to be giving, showing them testimonials or reviews or case studies, or maybe you have pictures that your test knitters made or that people who have bought your yarn before, what they've made with the yarn, and you're sharing those, right? So people can get another idea. So you kind of, you know, almost alternate between these types of content to move them through this funnel. And sometimes it'll work and sometimes it won't. But the benefit is, is that if they don't buy anything, right? Like they are getting to know you, they are getting to know who you are, your style, even through those emails, you're building that know, like, and trust factor, which is incredibly critical, essential, important, whatever word you would like to throw on it um, in order to make a sale in the future. So a lot of us need, honestly, we need like six months to make a purchase from somebody. So if you're a designer and I like what you do, then I may sit and watch you for six months before I actually pull the trigger and make a purchase of some kind. So that means that if I'm sitting on your email list for six months, that's six months of opportunity that you have to nurture me, to talk to me, to tell me what you have, to tell me why I should buy from you, to tell me how your products will make me feel, to tell me what problems they'll solve. And then by the time that that perfect thing comes up in front of me, I'm ready to buy, right? So getting people on an email list is really important, especially for that evergreen. I think it's important anyway, but some of us don't like to use them or we're really intimidated by them. Um, we're going to do a big thing on newsletters. You know, everybody keeps asking for it. I talked about it enough. We should do it. So um, anyway, I'm going to wrap it up there. But basically, those are the big differences between what a launch looks like and what evergreen sales looks like. Now, keep in mind, anytime you can come join my membership, which is the Business Homeowners Association, if you haven't heard me say that six times already. Um, but my website is www.anastasiacreates.co. I would love for you to join us and indulge in all the workshops and the live sessions and the Slack group and all those really amazing parts of it. Um, 
but I will leave you there for now. And I will actually talk to you next week.